Welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. I guess hard to say every time. Fuck, I'm putting on weight. I can't even talk. <laughs> Fucking out of breath. Yeah, well, it was a bit breathy there, bit, bit of a Bit of a mouthful there. <laughs> it was Valentine's Day. Yeah, speaking of mouthful, it was Valentine's Day yesterday from when we were recording this. But we're not back with another Valentine's episode. We are back with our first of two Women in Horror Month episodes. And I am so glad to say we are discussing Blood Diner from 1987. Yeah, we we weren't 100% sure if this was going to be good or bad. We thought trash to piece, maybe. But actually, it's just a really good, funny film. Yeah, judging from what a lot of people have said in reviews, they think it's so bad it's good. But it's not so bad it's good. It's a horror comedy. It's meant to be... Funny, um, yeah. It, it hits all the spots it needs to hit. It, it does everything it needs to do. Intentions mean a lot when yeah. it comes to these sort of films. Um, this is, I I definitely feel one thousand percent that this was meant to be a comedy. Yeah. In interviews, well, in interviews, we know it was meant to be a comedy. It wasn't. No, it wasn't meant to be a comedy initially. The screenplay wasn't meant to be a comedy. But the director made it a comedy. Yeah. So, um, last year when we did Women in Horror Month, we discussed uh, films with central female characters that you know strong female leads. Uh, this year, we will be doing the same again next week. But for this week, we're discussing a film that is directed by a woman. Uh, a very good director. We uh, This was directed by Jackie Kong, who also directed The Being, Night Patrol, and The Underachievers. Uh, we watched the being. Yeah. That that was more of a trash to piece. Yeah. But still, with the being and with Blood Diner, it's very much you can see this is a director who knows what she likes in the horror genre, and she has her influences there, and she uses them. This is the kind of balls to the wall, crazy, um, sometimes confusing horror film that could only be made in the 80s yeah you you can't recreate this yeah. kind of thing it's that trauma style of over the topness yeah um that makes a, a, a really entertaining film it's entertaining yeah you know i've said it time and time again on this podcast does this film talk about you know human nature no it doesn't really um was I entertained for an hour and a half? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It, it depends what kind of mood you're in. If you're in the mood in, for this kind of film, yeah. then I would definitely recommend it. It's I'm also to the end of the podcast now, aren't it's, I? It's also, also similar to the style of John Waters, I thought, as well. Yes. Yes. Very John Waters. Yeah, that irreverence. And that's great. Over that, the topness. Yeah, that's great. This woman comes in in, in a decade where... You know, the horror genre is overpopulated with male directors. I mean, that's obviously, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a complaint. We love loads of male-directed horror films. But there's no denying the fact that we needed more female-directed horror films in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 70s, in the 60s. Even now, even now, you know, we're starting to see more. You know, I mean, the Golden Globes recently had it the first time ever, like, I think it's like four female directors nominated at the same time. That's the first time. And it's it's very much needed, you know, across all genres, of course, but especially in horror, um, it is a very male-dominated genre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, it's nice to see Jackie Kong come in with The Bean and with Blood Diner 
and show all these guys that are making films in the 80s how it's done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and not just a female director, an Asian-American female director. Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard enough finding work as a woman directing horror anyway, but as an Asian-American woman directing horror as well, back in the 80s, yeah, that, that would have been really difficult. And she said this herself um, on, a, on a documentary on the Blu-ray. Um, you know, she was a young Asian-American female director... And she went out there, she did what she wanted to do, she made this film. Yeah, yeah. And it's really admirable. I mean, it's, it's great to see, and, and we we do it now. When we see that a female director has directed any kind mm. of film, we celebrate. Yeah. Because films have a history of directors being straight white men, mm. you know? Um, some of them older as well. Um, still getting big budget work, which is fine, you know? Yeah. We love Martin Scorsese. Yeah. You know, we love him to this very day. But it's good to see some of this money. And in Jackie Kong's case, mm. it wasn't a load of money. No. But it's good to see this money and this... um The chances being given to other kind of mm. directors... And we we say we celebrate. We'll see a trailer for a, a very bland looking film, but when we realise it's a woman or or a gay or you know a, a black director, we celebrate because we we want to see the, these kind of directors being given the chance to make really bland films. Yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it it's just giving these people a chance and giving. A, a young girl who wants to be a director when she grows up, who loves her films or loves her horror films, it gives her the knowledge that one day she can be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And if if the film turns out bland, then at least she gave it a go. Yeah. But we need to get to that point where, you know, shit films are being released that are directed by women. You need to get to the point where... We we don't even call it female director. We just call it it's another film released. Yeah, that's it. Where, it, where it's not a shock, um, you know. But it's the way the world is right now, and it just makes us celebrate films like this even more. Yeah, and it, it's slow progress, but it is progress. Yeah, and people like Jackie Kong started that. Yeah, you know. So props to her. Yeah. So um, this was made on a budget of three hundred and thirty thousand dollars, which again, it, you know, it isn't a lot. No, it's um, tiny. It's tiny. I, I couldn't get how much it made because it was only a limited theatrical release, and then it went straight to uh, VHS after. Um, upon release, it was banned in a number of provinces of Canada. Just random provinces. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was shot in three weeks, which is very impressive considering. Uh, yeah. Everything that happens in yeah, this film. Like, there's quite a few special effects shots. It, it took us three hours to to dissect this film. I mean, you know, it's an hour and... Just over an hour and 25 minutes. Um, but it took us three hours because there is something going on throughout every second of this film. It is. I find with some very low-budget films that what you get is the random scenes 
of real special effects mm. of balls to the wall action and then very bland moments in between because it's much cheaper just to film two people chatting away um i don't really want that in my uh, gory horror no, films no uh, the film was originally intended to be a sequel to herschel gordon lewis masterpiece blood feast uh, hence the similar titles, but before production started, it was decided that Blood Diner would be a remake of sorts. And it is a remake of sorts. It is very much, you know, taking the plot of Blood Feast and applying it to the 80s. Yeah, and that, that whole Egyptian element to it. Yeah. Very Blood Feast. Uh, the character of Little Michael was actually played by a female actress, Roxanne Osco. Who was Little Michael? As in Michael when he was a kid. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't notice that. Bringing all that diversity. So there isn't a lot of trivia, so we'll get into the film. Two brothers are entrusted by their uncle to uphold the ritualistic cannibalism of the ancient court of Sheetar. In order to do so, they have to prepare a feast of sacrifice for the restaurant of their goddess. And we start with a satire on the title card, the rolling title card of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That reads, warning, the truly unusual motion picture you're about to see contains many scenes of graphic violence. It is not intended for the faint of heart nor the young and impressionable. While it is a sad fact that mass homicide, homicide, and practitioners of blood cults infest our society, the producers of this film wish to express that they do not condone, nor do they want to inspire any of the human butchery of violence portrayed in this film. I thought the intro was hard this week. <laughs> if you feel you will be offended by such material, please leave the theatre at once. Note, all of the mutilations, bodily dismemberments and cannibal rituals were performed by seasoned professionals. Please do not attempt any of these stunts at home. Thank you. Did Whew. the original Blood Feast have a similar... It may have done. It's beginning. been a while since we watched it. It has. We need to rewatch it, actually. Yeah. Um... Well, thank you for congratulating me on that amazing read of the... Uh, Congrat- congratulations. I, I, yeah, I thought you did a wonderful job. Thank you. I don't know what accent I was going for, but, you know... I, you, I, f- I feel like you were going for old school Grindhouse trailer narration. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, we we opened the film with doo-wop music and shots of various things to show us that we are in the 50s. And I know what you're thinking. No, this is not Howgate. Um, we get young Michael and young George. Yes, George and Michael. George and Michael, and we shall be referring to them as George and Michael yes. from now on. It's not Michael and George; it's George and Michael. Um, so uh, their mum is going to the market because she's run out of goddamn tampons, and she has to leave them at home for twenty minutes whilst a radio report informs us that there's a madman on the loose with a meat cleaver in one hand and his genitals in the other. <laughs> Presumably the same man that we're currently getting POV shots from. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and when when you when they say genitals in his hands, I just thought like he's scratching his balls or something. But no, he, he generally has his genitals in his hands. <laughs> They're not part of his body anymore. <laughs> uh, one kid, one of the kids tries to hypnotize their dog, Spunky. Spunky the dog. Um, and uh, suddenly someone starts to break through the front door and enters holding a meat cleaver <laughs> with a crazy look on his face. It must be the escaped convict yeah. with the meat cleaver. But we find out it's Uncle Anwar. <laughs> yeah. 
So it is the escaped convict, but it's also George and Michael's um, uncle, Anwar. Yeah, Michael reveals he's been practising hypnotism from the book that Uncle Anwar gave him, and George has been making fake food that Uncle Anwar thinks looks so good that he can eat it. It's Play-Doh egg, isn't it? <laughs> Ooh, you're going to be a great chef when you're older. <laughs> and what does he say to them? What does he have for them? I have a surprise for you. <laughs> so he, he gives them amulets that are five million years old and tells them to practice for the Book of Sheetah. So uh, you thought the Iliad in The Boy Next Door was a nice gift. 3,000 years old. These fucking amulets are five million years old. Be they that. look good as well. He's kept them nice and clean. <laughs> the police shoot Uncle Anwar as he shouts, Sheetah! As the kids watch from the window. Michael stares at a cat clock and causes the hand to spin out of control. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I have no idea why. This never comes back. No, it's like a Felix the cat, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. it's one of those clocks where the eyes go from side to side and then obviously the hands are going underneath and then they spin out of control and then suddenly we're 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, the title card appears as someone is digging up Anwar's grave and a security guard catches them. And who is it? It's George and Michael. Yes. Uh, George is digging up the grave and Michael hits the security card in the back of the head of a shovel and in a really bizarre series of events he knocks his eyeballs out. He does. <laughs> What does he say afterwards? Bullseye. <laughs> yeah, the, the practical effects in this film are all incredible. For a low budget, they're really good. I mean, there's no need for that guy's eyes to fall out. No, no. Uh, George poses with the corpse before throwing him into a grave really effortlessly because George has superhuman strength. For some reason. That's his... Uh, I mean, Michael, he can do the hypnotising and such. George is good at cooking and wrestling and effortlessly throwing things. Yeah, it's a weird thing throughout the film where the, the, everyone acts as if he's like Arnie. Yeah. You know, big, muscly and, and all that. But he didn't actually kind... He didn't really look that no. big. It's kind of weird. I'm like, is that big for the 80s? No. And it's it's funny because at the start of the film, the only thing we know that differentiates, differentiates these two characters is the colour of their hair. And throughout the rest of the film, it's a running thing. The older versions of them have the same colour hair as when they were younger. They have the blonde and the black hair to differentiate these two characters. But also, when they put masks on later on, even they have the same colour hair. Yeah, it's true. Ugh. I mean, it doesn't matter, because I mean, we're just going to be calling him George Michael anyway for the whole thing. Yeah, so. George and Michael. Uh, Anwar's arm pops up, and Michael of George Michael fame says, You see? He's happy to see us. <laughs> and he soars into Anwar's head, whilst George squeezes it and his brain pops out. Yeah, that, that brain has lasted really well over the last 20 yeah. years. Um, you'd think it sort of... Um, Disintegrated by now, but yeah, it's still in good shape. Michael starts reading from the book of Sheetah, and Anwar's brain starts talking to them. This fucking brain's a nightmare. He is so annoying. He's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the police station, two officers, uh, one, 
<laughs> I've put down, one looks like he's straight out of Saturday Night Fever. Oh, he's, he is the hairiest chest I've ever seen. <laughs> they discussed the murder of the security guard. Um, Mark is the Saturday Night Fever type, and uh, he says, I spoke to his daughter, one good-looking babe. <laughs> he is a sexual predator throughout this entire film. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, again, this, this feels like it's a satire on the fact that <laughs> a lot of men in, in horror films in the 80s acted like sexual predators. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this actually reminded me of uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, in the way that Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers was a satire on noir films and uh, the cult films of, as, as in, you know, religious cult films of the 80s, this feels very much like the same thing, but with slasher films. Yeah, yeah, it, it is actually. It, it was giving me Hollywood Chainsaw Hooker vibes. So we find out uh, that Mark is always right and the best detective the force has, but he's getting a new partner and what happens when he finds out this shocking news? I don't know. What does happen? He drops his fishbowl. Oh, yeah, he knocks the fishbowl over. There's <laughs> loads of fishbowls around, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, he does. A uh, new He's partner so from New York. <laughs> Anwar's brain gives Michael and George their mission briefing on what they need to do to raise the gods. Yeah, which is really helpful to the story. <laughs> um, Anwar actually failed in his attempt because he had sex and therefore lost his genitals. So George Michael must stay celibate. Yeah. Uh, they must find a virgin to sacrifice at a ceremony. Yeah, and George has to cook a feast. Yeah. Because that's what George is good for. Um, George is at no... Because he's Play-Doh egg. He, he's yeah. He's at no threat of having sex anytime soon. Um, from his personality. George prepares food like a madman. And this is exactly what I mean. Uh, while some girls tell one of their friends, Connie, uh, that all she has to do is show her tits off. No big deal. Because they're planning <laughs> to do nude aerobics. Yes. <laughs> her friends are fuming when she refuses yeah. to do the uh, nude aerobics. Uh, but they're interrupted when one of them gets a ticket. Um, one of her friends is the head cheerleader. And she's like, as head cheerleader, I decided that we would all be vegetarians. And then I decided that we'll all do aerobics. <laughs> now I'm deciding that we're all going to do nude aerobics. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you take from the whole vegetarian side of this film? I, I couldn't tell if it was pro-vegetarian or against it? Like, I don't think... I, I think it's using the vegetarian aspect as, like, a, a running joke, isn't it? Mm. So, um, throughout the film, they think that there's a serial killer who's targeting vegetarians. So, the funny part of that, and it, it happens later in the film, um, is when somebody says, I'm so nervous that this serial killer who's targeting vegetarians. So it's a bit like, I used to eat a sausage then, love. <laughs> you know, if, targeting, if you're so scared, you know, why why stay a vegetarian? Um, but I, I think also it's it's the, the juxtaposition between, you know, all these people that are vegetarian and this diner that's meant to be a health food diner mm. and everybody thinks what they're eating is meat-free when actually they're serving up body parts for the yeah. whole of the film. Yeah. Uh, so Anwar's brain speaks with, Go uh, with George in the kitchen and uh, tells him to take to the window so he can watch the customers. Uh, one of the customers uh, burps 
a lot and yeah, compliments the burger he just had. What does he say about that burger? That's the best son of a bitch veggie burger I've had in a long time. <laughs> I could swear it had meat in it. He's an absolute expert on veggie burgers. He's eating them yes. all across the country. Um, and his friends call him Vitamin C. <laughs> yeah, the joke here is that this guy's meant to be a health food, vegetarian, cuisine expert who's ate in all the best health food restaurants in the country. But he looks like a, you know, um, overweight trucker. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. That's Which is such, such the joke. That is such a, a, a again, a, a John Waters and like Troma joke to throw in there. Yeah. It's, it's really great. Uh, Michael chats up Connie by telling her a bunch of girls used to go into the diner dressed as flash dance. You know, dressed as the whole film, flash dance. <laughs> flash dance. And, uh, and they look stupid, which <laughs> obviously wins her heart. Because <laughs> yeah. um, she still doesn't want to do this nude aerobics. I mean, she's missing out. I mean, she has a lucky escape of what happens, but she's still missing out, so it looks great. Um, <laughs> he invites her to a special feast for special people. Uh <laughs> And whilst he invites her to this, he's looking at his uh, shopping list, which contains six dog dicks, three large rats, two golden retrievers, eight cats, any gender, MSG, and dog food. So this is the joke, is that everybody there thinks this is a health food restaurant when they're eating dog dicks. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a special kind of feast that hasn't happened since five million years BC. Uh, there's some wrestling on the TV, isn't there? Yeah, so George loves his wrestling, and he's a wrestler. Um, when he's cooking, wrestling's always on, and he, he gets a little too involved in it. Um, vitamin C wants him to turn it down, because he can't stand that homo sport. Uh, George punches Vitamin <laughs> C in the face, <laughs> to which Vitamin C says, Oh, mummy, that hurts. <laughs> So he doesn't even accept casual homophobia in this film. was <laughs> pleased watching everything because he's he bets that uh, Connie is a virgin. So they've got their virgin for the uh, the feast, haven't they? Yes. Uh, he's, uh, Michael compliments her name and tells her to go and see them again. Uh, and she's obviously in a trance because Michael's hypnotised her and she says that she will. Yes. And now this is when we get this the, the most 80s thing you'll ever see in any film ever is this topless cheerleading at nude aerobic studio yes in a strange series of events six girls with pom-poms are, da- uh, are doing topless aerobics <laughs> one of them says can you believe connie turned down a chance like this <laughs> and the, to the, which the other says it's because her dad is a cop and a jerk and a jerk <laughs> Then suddenly someone with a machine gun wearing a Ronald Reagan mask enters the room. So that's definitely a reference to Point Break, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, he shoots... Was Point Break before this? I don't know, actually. I thought it was 90s. No, Point Break was late 80s. Was it, it might have been around the same time. Oh, Point Break probably started from this. But, well, pre- like, wearing masks of pres- presidents, is it, like, a big mm. thing? Um, like, statistically... At Halloween time, because uh, the elections are in November, the best-selling mask of a presidential nominee at Halloween time is always determines the winner. I'm not sure if that's the case this time round, 
But whenever, you know, Donald Trump, his mask sold the most mm. in 2016. Uh, Barack Obama's, Bill Clinton's, George Bush's. Um, all, always the top seller of the presidential nominations at Halloween time always went on to win the uh, uh, election that November. Isn't that weird? That is weird. That is weird. It's also the most random facts we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so... Well, here's another presidential fact. Um, <laughs> the majority of presidents have been left-handed. But also the majority of serial killers are left-handed too. So I don't know what that means. And that was another episode of Horror Court Trash Chris's Politics <laughs> Facts Never. <laughs> don't, qu- don't quote me on that. I think that's true. Don't, don't be like uh, quoting me that in your <laughs> essay on presidents of America. <laughs> Yeah, so when the uh, the Ronald Reagan mask guy t- shows up in this, oh, yeah, which we, we find out, film, which we find out is Michael. Um, I thought this was gonna be they were like making a film or something. I didn't think it actually killed everyone. Uh, I, I thought, thought they were like shooting day. shooting a music video or something. Yeah. Um, so when everyone was actually dead, I was like, oh shit! I, I really wasn't expecting that. Um, but the fact that they had this this nude aerobic scene, I I really think it's it's quite cool that. Jackie Kong actually included this in the film because the 80s had a lot of people saying that horror films were misogynistic, um, you know, because of the amount of nudity and everything. But she's taking this satire to the next level and she's including everything that you can uh, say something about within 80s horror. And she's even included a shitload of nudity. Yeah, and I, I think it's... The tongue is firmly in the cheek with this. Mm. It, it's ridiculing that sort. Of, yeah, it it it's a weird it's it's a, it's a weird thing where because she's a female director, and we know she's, the film's directed by mm. a female, then this scene takes on a a different sort of um, edge. Yeah, it's it, it feels like it's making fun of those sort of things. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, if it had been a male director, and it was a male screenwriter, uh, which makes me question, was this scene in the film when it was meant to be a straight up? I doubt it. You know... This this is very, very comedic. It's very comedic. The idea of topless aerobics, Mm. I mean, if it wasn't played for laughs, it would be incredibly sleazy. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it and, and it, you know, it ends up being quite funny, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, if this was a male director, you probably would have had a few more close-ups of boobs. Yeah, and, but she knows her audience. Yeah. You know, horror films like this in the 80s, Hollywood have you, would have you think that the target audience is... Straight males, mm. 18 to 30. Yeah. What do straight males, 18 to 30, want in their horror films? They want gore and they want female nudity. Yeah. So all these films. But then films like this have a new lease of life in, you know, the gay community. Yeah. Who enjoy the camp and the ridiculousness of yeah. it. And, you know, let's just say not only gay people are allowed to enjoy camp ridiculousness, mm-hmm. but we're more susceptible to it yeah. than to enjoy films like this. Uh, so they're all shot dead anyway. Um, yeah. 
Uh, Michael was under the mask. He cuts up the bodies whilst Anwar's brain guides him on how to cut up those traps. <laughs> bit harsh. Uh, <laughs> Anwar's words, by the way. Yeah. Um, George is also in a mask with a chainsaw and holding a head, uh, which he puts his hand up and says, My name is Sheetar. Because if we had a drinking game for every time Sheetar was said in this oh film, we'd be fucking plastered. Be- out on the floor. The cops clean the place up and investigate. Mark thinks uh, someone had a do-it-yourself lunch meat party. Yeah. Mouthful. Um, the chief punches him because of this. Yeah. And we're introduced to uh, the absolute slay queen that is Sheba Jackson. Uh, she can't save a life, bless her, but she is an absolute <laughs> slay queen. So, um, yeah, Sheba Jackson is a slay queen. Um, the act- I don't know. The actress... I don't know what she was going for. This is the only film she was in. The only film yeah. she was in. I think that's true for quite a few of the mm. cast, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, Sheba Jackson. Do you think her name was Sheba Jackson in the script before this actress, who absolutely looks like Janet Jackson, was cast? <laughs> I think that so. Jackson is, that Jackson has not, is definitely not a coincidence. She does look like Janet Jackson, doesn't she? <laughs> it may have been. I, I mean, I think he was, is obviously playing on Blaxploitation. Um, oh, yeah. But she does look like Janet Jackson, so she that does. could have had something to do with it. Yeah, Sheba, uh, there's a Pam Greer film, isn't there? Sheba Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, in the words of Chris Barker, um, beautiful actress. <laughs> Fuck me. It's, it's a rough performance. But I still want to see more of her. I couldn't get enough of this character. <laughs> yeah, I love the character. <laughs> and the shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. So she comes in and points out the bite marks on the victim's body. Already does a better job than Mark. And she gives Mark a staring contest whilst he licks his lips at her. And the chief just talks shit in the background. Um, but <laughs> there's this ongoing thing where, because he's got a female partner, Mark is constantly trying to get in the pants and it just ain't working of at course. all. Of course. <laughs> uh, the diner is now full and George spits Business out... This is booming, yeah, isn't it? George is eating some uh, some bits of a body that he just got. Um, from... jo- yeah. Um, I mean, we're assuming from the... Uh... Nude aerobics. Nude aerobics. He spits out a bullet from one of them. Yeah. <laughs> what are customers reading? So it looks like the menus are printed on the Odorama cards <laughs> from Polyester. <laughs> if you remember our Polyester uh, podcast episode, um, the film was released with Odorama cards that you would scratch and then sniff as the film went along. Um, it was a great episode that we did. If you haven't listened to it, I recommend going back. Yeah, we, our nose has suffered for because it. Because we, we did the <laughs> Odorama um, throughout the episode. Um, but yeah, they it looks like the menus are printed on those. So. Yeah. So there's your references there, you know. Yeah. In, in, uh, in your face, you know, obvious. I wonder how many people actually noticed that. The fact that they're looking at Odorama cards pretending they're the menus. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Vitamin C's back, isn't he? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he ever left. <laughs> he wants to make the diner famous and wants to know what the secret ingredient is, but Michael can't tell him, because then it wouldn't be a secret surprise. It's true. Connie uh, stares at a newsstand outside with the headline, Nude aerobies get bloody workout. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ninja. Is a Rubies the word? <laughs> Apparently. Um, George is still watching the Federal Wrestling Alliance on TV with little Jimmy Hitler. Now, it's uh, no coincidence that his name's Hitler, is it? No. Um... For the second time this year on the podcast. We've got a Hitler replica in the fucking film in the 80s. Yes, so he's got a swastika on, hasn't he? He's got the moustache, he's got all that. Um, fun little fact, little, little Jimmy Hitler was an actual wrestler. No, fuck an off. An actual wrestler called Little Jimmy Hitler. Are you fucking serious? And I am serious. It was it was in that interview we watched. What? Yeah, Little Jimmy Hitler. He, he took things a little too far in the wrestling scene later in the film. But he was a real-life wrestler. Yeah. Based his look around Hitler. Imagine if someone tried to do it in 2021. Imagine. <laughs> John Cena's next opponent, Little Jimmy Hitler. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, God. I now, I now want to see uh, people wrestling just as terrible people. Can we get Fred and Rose West wrestling, please? Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, but George is really angry because he can wrestle better than little Jimmy Hitler, can't he? Yes, he takes it far too seriously and tries to show he can wrestle by putting vitamin C in a sleep hold <laughs> that makes him start vomiting over the staff and patrons. <laughs> this, is, this is very trauma, yeah. this scene. Yeah, and, and it doesn't affect... Uh, how good the business is going. No, it no doesn't. No one gives a no, shit, really. The fact that, you know, he's just made vitamin C puke all over everybody. Um, another fun fact from the interview we, we watched. It was some good features on the Blu-ray, actually. Yeah. Um, but the interview with Jackie Kong, she said that um, the uh, the girl who, the, the extra, who was playing a, the waitress... Didn't actually know it was about to happen. So her reaction's actually real. She didn't realise she was about to get a fucking puke sprayed in her face. <laughs> Whilst all this uh, chaos is going on, Michael goes outside and asks Connie what's wrong while she's looking at the newsstand. And she just starts shouting in his face. She does actually. I mean, the acting's not top notch in this. Uh, <laughs> Connie does it. She tries her best. She's a beautiful girl. She tries her best. Uh, <laughs> So she starts sort of yelling at him. Uh, he comforts her by giving her an amulet. Yeah. Uh, from now on, you belong to Sheeta. Um, which is a bit creepy. You'd ask a few questions, wouldn't you? He tells her it's five million years old. Yeah, but if, but if you gave me something, a, a gift, and mm. said, from now on, you belong to Sheeta, I'd be a bit... Would concerned. you think anything of it if I gave you that? It... If you gave me it, I'd be like, this is this is a beautiful gift. Thank you very much. If it came with the phrase, from now on, you belong to Sheeta, mm. I would probably question it. Hmm. Yeah. What would you not? Uh, quote from you, yeah, I would. Well, but if, like, if, I got it, if I got it from me, I, you know. I'd be like, who the fuck Sheeta? <laughs> I, I thought that'd be something people would expect from me. But anyway. <laughs> but giving it this amulet makes her think she's had two guardian angels in one day. The first guardian angel being Michael for just, I don't know, letting her shout in his face for ten minutes. <laughs> or, oh, oh, no, do you not mean the guardian angel that told her not to go and do topless aerobics? Oh, is that what she was on about? I was on about Michael. No, probably the, the guardian angel that stopped her from <laughs> getting killed. Stopped her from getting gunned down. So, yeah, she has a new fancy amulet. And, uh, 
George wipes off vitamin C's beard and start, he just immediately starts eating again. Yeah. Uh, Sheba reveals all the dead girls were vegetarians. <laughs> and How does she reveal it? It was from the contents of their stomach. <laughs> uh, most had eaten a lot of vegetables, but one ain't cat meat. <laughs> yeah. So one of them must have eaten at the uh, diner. Well, they they did, didn't they? Yeah. They ate at the diner, uh, the head cheerleader. Um, so, yeah, she, she had cat meat in her stomach. <laughs> so Mark watches her strut away and starts licking his lips again. <laughs> Anwar's brain uh, lets this schlong do all the thinking for him. Yes. He starts, starts going on about the good old days and we get a flashback to him beating up women and getting whipped. Yeah, that was a bit weird. That was a weird one, weren't it? I was yeah. Like, uh, is this being played for laughs? It was a bit uncomfortable. Um, I've, yeah, I think I think the whole joke with Anwar uh, is the fact that he's uh, from a different time and found all this stuff acceptable, um, which is quite funny when you use that joke in 2020 and you look at films from this decade um, and, and before that, where a lot of the time something that comes up a lot is... Well, it was a different time. I feel like that was very much the joke she was getting at here. Maybe, yeah. Um, and how maybe films from around the time when Anwar would have been younger uh, would have treated women. Yeah, potentially. That is true. Well, that's yeah. what I took away from it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he, we get a flashback to all of this. Uh, George Michael have now completed Sheetar's body. And, uh, yeah, they've taken parts from all the nudibrobies. Yeah. Aerobies. That was such a weird word. Is that... I can't think... They're just, weird? They need to get two stomachs for her. George is messing around with her fingers and Anwar says, George, stop it! You're a fucking idiot! And uh, then he tells Sheetar, he says, your body looks good. What a set of knockers! <laughs> if only I had my schlong back. <laughs> Lovely. George and Michael go to a club uh, with George disguised as an 80s punk and Michael disguised as Prince. Yeah, I put uh, George and Michael pull up to a club dressed as Lord knows what. I put Alice Cooper meets Saturday Night Fever. Um, but yeah, with print, a little bit of Prince in there. Uh, but apparently they're a hit with the ladies. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but the doorman won't, won't let them well, in. No, 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 no. We, we need a bizarre series of events warning before this oh, part. excuse me. In a very bizarre series of events. One that I certainly never saw come in. Please continue. The doorman won't let them in. Um, so George pushes one of them down and then he gets his head run over. <laughs> no, he throws him. He throws him into throws the him down. And then we get a mix of horror and laughter from the crowd. Yeah, because a bouncing car fucking squashes his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. What the it's... fuck? How can you... Just like one of the most memorable scenes. One of those, um... Oh, you know, like from a Snoop Dogg music video. Yeah, where, the car's where bouncing. Where the car bounces up and down. And yeah, and it bounces and lands on his head. And I thought the shot was going to cut away, but it actually shows you everything. It just squashed his head. <laughs> it reminds me of Toxic Avenger. When the kid gets run over in Toxic oh Avenger. Oh, God. I honestly could not believe this happened, but the, the audience outside, the, the, the crowd uh, waiting to get into the club, they think it's great. Some of them are a bit horrified, but a lot of them think it's great. 
Um, the other bouncer just lets him in after that. It does. <laughs> and asks if the other bouncer's okay. If he's okay. Um, there's a doo-wop style band playing in white suits. Yeah, so inside the club is a weird um, juxtaposition between a doo-wop band playing and the punks in the, the audience, audience yeah. uh, going crazy to a doo-wop song. <laughs> George spots a girl smoking and suggests that they take her, but Michael thinks she isn't trashy enough. Michael spots two other girls who walk towards them. Uh, the girls don't recognise them, do they? Uh, but they think they're in a band. Yeah, they tell the girls that they're in a band called the Great Sheetars <laughs> and invite them back to their place. Yeah, they're currently working on their new LP, Red Hunger. Do you know what I put down? George and Michael scouting for immoral girls. <laughs> that's, ever, that's what they're doing. Do you ever scouting for girls? <laughs> that's been more interesting band, wouldn't it? Scouting oh, for immoral girls. Um, but because they are immoral girls, they go back to the diner with George and Michael. Don't they? They do. Um, and in a bizarre series of events, Sheba... Uh, and Mark are investigating a, a less popular other restaurant around the corner. Um, this restaurant has one customer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's a real dummy, isn't he? This customer, we shit you not, is a dummy, an actual dummy, with a fucking straw cowboy hat on, and a check shirt, and a beard. And his eyes looks like he is, he looks like he's fucking baked. He, he's got the same eyes as... What was that film we watched? That awful film we watched. Is it Devil Hunter? Oh, where the guy had golf ball eyes. Where the guy had golf ball eyes. Like actual, <laughs> just like ping pong balls cut in half as eyes. Um, so, yeah, this is another way that uh, Jackie Kong made this a comedy film. Is that in the original script, this dummy was meant to be an actual person. Who's just, just yeah. the one customer. Um, but she decided to make it a dummy. I loved this idea. I thought yeah. it was great. It was <laughs> so funny. It was funny. It, it never got any less funny, no matter how many times you saw it. It was just so random, so stupid, but that is exactly why it works. So she remark explained that they're looking for a murderer that targets vegetarians. Uh, the cook in the dine, at the diner and the dummy start to argue about the lack of customers <laughs> and uh, George Michael's secret recipe. Yeah, the dummy is a fucking expert on all things George Michael. Yeah. He, he knows everything about them. <laughs> the dummy, this is the part that cracked me up, is the dummy starts to chat up Sheba <laughs> as we cut to the cook's lips moving. No one acknowledges the fact that the cook's lips are moving <laughs> and the dummy's chatting up. So for the rest of the film, every time the dummy talks, it's the cook doing like a ventriloquist thing. <laughs> and the dummy's voice is great. <laughs> so, now that we've solved this for you, would you like to go on a date with me? Yeah. <laughs> and Sheba wouldn't get on her knees to boogie with him, whatever the fuck that means. No. <laughs> The chef uh, tells the dummy that he would give his right arm for George and Michael's secret recipe. Michael and Peggy are making out whilst George and Peggy's friend go to the back of the diner. And uh, Peggy constantly talks like you, Chris, when you're doing a babe station impression on the podcast. A babe station? When have I done a babe station impression? Well, you had to read some out like a few episodes ago and you're like, oh. <laughs> Did I? Yes. 
Tarotology. It was like a running joke for two episodes. Was it? <laughs> Our listeners will know. They'll, they'll know oh, what I'm talking no. about. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forget these things. Um, yeah, Peggy is like, oh, I want to do something kinky. And Michael asks... As bitch, I didn't sound like that. Well, you did. I would have sounded uh, much nicer than Michael that. asks if she's ever heard of Bad Girlfriends, and she thinks it sounds hot. George says she tar and the girl he's with asks him for a kiss um, with the tongue and it is the most disgusting kiss I've ever seen in any film. I've ever, ever. Like, I mean, ever? I thought... Ever? Ever, 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 ever? I thought Crispin Glover in uh, Friday the 13th final chapter, I thought that was pretty disgusting. But this... This is full thrust. His tongue goes... And his tongue is huge. It goes right in. Yeah, I bet he gets... I bet he got a bit of teeth as well. Oh, he definitely did. Yeah. Uh, Michael covers Peggy in batter. And do you know what she says? Um, no. What does she say? Oh, I must look like a mess. And he says, on the contrary, you look good enough to eat. And puts (laughs) her head in a deep fat fryer. (laughs) So she escapes. And what the fuck has happened to her head? (laughs) So it's like... A batter ball, so <laughs> on a head, um, so it, it's like football shaped, but batter, like covered in batter. <laughs> she starts running around. She's got a top off. She's just in a thong, isn't she? Yeah. Um, until she's running around like a headless chicken. Until Michael decapitates her with a broom. <laughs> Although she does grab his earring before she does. this happens. Remember that. It's gonna come up later. Peggy's friend uh, finds Michael pulling Peggy's insides out. Uh, she <laughs> she opens a freezer and lots of body parts and pom-poms fall on her. And uh, she tries to escape, but George... What does he do? George sp- splits her right down the middle with a, one hit of his machete. <laughs> splits her in half. Again. Where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... Uh, a homeless woman is going through a bin when she finds one of the she-tire amulets in her hand. It, oh, I thought that was Michael's earring. It will be, wouldn't it? It may have also been an earring, but there's definitely an amulet there as well. Yeah, which is his earring. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. too big. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, so George and Michael load the leftover body parts into a van. After George has finished graffitiing, trespassers will be eaten. On the back of the alley wall. <laughs> then a homeless lady is searching for a bin and finds a severed hand holding Michael's earring. I thought it was Michael's earring oh, okay. because it comes that up later sense, and yeah. it links them, doesn't it? Mark and Shiva show the earring to a very intense archaeologist. She overacts her heart out. She, but she's very angry with <laughs> really everyone. Is. I don't know if this <laughs> is an archaeological trait or something, uh, but she's very intense and she explains the story of Sheetar. She says that there may be followers of Sheetar getting ready for a, wait for it, blood feast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, she's a Sheetar expert. She knows everything um, about George and Michael's plan. Uh, whilst George and Michael are cooking up the feast, and Anwar's brain tells him he still need the virgin by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need, I need a virgin ASAP it's like every time they get him something he always needs something else around right, his entire film yes. uh, George Michael serve uh, their feast to everyone in the diner as well as selling Tutman Cafe t-shirts um, Tutman being the name of the diner Tutman Cafe Tutman Cafe yeah 
Um, Which I'm assuming is meant to be close to Tootman Kamu. Yeah, <laughs> Toot- I think so. Tootman. Uh, Michael asks Connie if she'd go out with him to the wrestling and then back to the diner for a feast. Uh, she tries to say no, but he hypnotises her into saying yes. Uh, they have a new customer in the uh, in the diner. Shady, shady customer. Shady customer. Hasn't got a life in him. It's uh, the dummy. Yeah. <laughs> and vitamin C points out who he is. Yes. Yeah, I've got a shady customer rudely asks for a doggy bag <laughs> before quickly, quickly, quickly leaving with his dummy. And then vitamin C points out that it's the cook from the other health food <laughs> diner. George is getting angry whilst watching wrestling again. Uh, and a food inspector shows up and wants to check the books, doesn't he? Yes. So uh, George takes him to the back of the restaurant and then comes out with... Uh, with his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> for the fish finger surprise. For a fish finger. So he batters them up, doesn't he? The fingers yeah. And, and serves them up to the customers. Um, Anwar's brain demands that the boys get out there and get that lovely bitch that was standing outside of his window today. <laughs> yeah, she was... Um, because obviously the Anwar's window where he can watch the restaurant is um, mirrored the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't, the customers can't actually see a brain watching them <laughs> from the window. <laughs> and there was a girl uh, earlier who was doing her uh, lipstick in the window. Yes. So Anwar wants that lovely bitch. Yeah, that girl is Cindy. Uh, and he has her phone number, Anwar. Uh, and even though he's a brain, he still talks to her, I assume, parents on the phone <laughs> and asks where he can find her. And she's out of her boyfriend, Buzz. Yeah, out of the caves. Yeah, just just give that information out willy nilly. Um, so he wants George and Michael to go get her. Yes. Yeah. Um, Those two lame brains. <laughs> yeah, Michael says we haven't got much time. To which Anwar says, "That's right, homo." <laughs> um, come on, eighties. Um, so George is driving the van to Mambo Music. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, in a, biz- in a bizarre series. In a series bizarre of series. Of, excuse me, I do apologise. It is my, my line. It is my line. I do apologise. In a bizarre series of events, George is driving the van uh, whilst listening to Mambo music and living his best life, and he sees a large biker. Um, he runs over the large biker, and in his rearview mirror, notices that <laughs> the biker is still alive and getting up, so he runs over him again. <laughs> which he realises the biker's not dead <laughs> and he runs over him again and again and again. <laughs> How many times is it? Like five or six it's times? It's about eight times. About eight, eight times. <laughs> and after all that we find out later on that he didn't even die from being run over he died of a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cindy and Buzz are getting it on in the cave. Uh, she bears all. Yeah, Buzz uh, is back in office. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as Cindy is scared because of the maniac killing vegetarians. Yeah, so he tells... Buzz tells her there's nothing to worry about because the only person chowing down on her sweet meat will be him. Yes. In my favourite scene of the entire film, um, George shows up with an axe. He throws Buzz and his red wife fronts at the wall to knock him out. And what I really didn't expect to happen here was Cindy uh, does naked karate on George she does. before squeezing his dick and knocking him out. Cindy is the bona fide slay queen. Yeah. Fully nude. Fights him off with karate and a grab to the balls. 
and a kick to the face to knock him out. Unfortunately for Cindy, a stalactite is dislodged and falls on her head, <laughs> killing her. Um, very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate for poor Cindy. Um, but she she gave it a good go before she before she did. her she did. unfortunate demise. Michael picks up a woman at a bar, uh, whilst George gathers what he needs from the cave in his van, uh, kicks Cindy's corpse and calls her a bitch. Michael has a big surprise for the girl from the club, who is now at the diner with him. Uh, the police show up at the cave, Buzz is still alive and crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Michael and the random girl are at the, uh, the uh, diner, and he has a surprise for her. She thinks it's his large penis. <laughs> But it's not. No, no. The police turn up at the caves as Buzz is upset. Uh, Cindy is dead just because he was horny. (laughs) (laughs) Sheba and Mark are in trouble with the chief because they believe the murders are linked to murders from 20 years ago and potentially a cult. They're told just to stick to the vegetarian angle. (laughs) Even though they've basically just told the the entire plot of the film. Exactly. (laughs) Mark says the grisly murders can't go on any longer while scratching his head with his gun and shooting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anwar lays out the very elaborate plan for the next day. Um, I got a little confused, if I'm being honest. Something about a feast, eating it at the same time as the virgin sacrificed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What did you get from that? Was uh, very I got Anwar's plan. brain talks more shit about the virgin the feast than she can. <laughs> I suppose resurrecting, you know, a million-year-old Egyptian yes. goddess is going to be quite elaborate, isn't it? It's not going to be it is. easy. Stan and his dummy are spying on George and Michael. Uh, Stan goes to the diner to steal the recipe, but the dummy is in the background saying, No! Don't go! Don't do it! <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Michael asks people at a club to spread the word about the feast um, in return for some drugs. Whilst George dances like an idiot in the background. He's <laughs> wearing a lab coat. Yeah. He's <laughs> wearing a lab coat, dancing in the background. Um, guy with a moustache and his big-haired girlfriend are questioned by Mark. Uh, he mentions Anwar, and every time he says Anwar, the girl starts screaming. Oh my god, she's got hair... Like um, Darth Vader, but like you know Rick Moranis in Spaceballs. Yeah, it's like fucking huge. It's like Darth Vader shaped, but massive. But it's hair. Um, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. She screams at every single mention of Anwar, and I mean every single mention. Uh, we get a flashback to Anwar's death, uh, where Anwar screams, "Shita." As he raises his meat cleaver and he gets shot. So the guy with the moustache that's been interviewed is the police officer that went to arrest him. So yeah. he's the one that, that shot Anwar all those years ago. Uh, the police officer recounts um, looking into Anwar's eyes and feeling like Anwar was telling him he would return for him and his daughter. Even though... He wouldn't have known he was to have a daughter. So he hadn't had the daughter by then. Uh, but he got a feeling that that's what Anwar's eyes were telling him. <laughs> and conveniently enough, 
Uh, the moustache police officer is Connie's dad. Yes. That jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is my Connie. She's not slutty like the cheerleaders who were killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael and Connie uh, are at the wrestling. Yes, we get the wrestling match between George full, we get and a full wrestling match. little Jimmy Hitler. <laughs> so uh, Hitler is the upper hand uh, for the majority of the match. Uh, but refuses to pin George until uh, there's a distraction from Michael where George gets the <laughs> upper hand. George bites into Hitler's calf and sprays blood all over Connie <laughs> and George wins the bout by biting his calf <laughs> muscle pretty much off. And gets everyone to start chanting Sheeta. Sheeta, he does, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how long this scene went on for. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it is. It's very, it's very old school wrestling as well. So it's he does about four leg drops. Um, he does, he, he does like ten body slams, and that's about it. He he dives off the top rope at one point, but just for like an axe handle. Um, but uh, he he does that old school refusing to pin him. He just wants to inflict more damage. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, was that too... No, no. <laughs> Do you have any idea what I was going on about that? Oh, hopefully the listeners will. <laughs> uh, Connie wants to go home, but Michael knocks her out and takes her away. Mark calls uh, Sheba while she's at a burger drive <laughs> and tells her to look for relatives of Anwar and tells her to look for Namtoot. Yeah, so Anwar's full name is Anwar Nam Namtoot. Is it Namtoot? Nam. Yes, Namtoot. So it's terrible. backwards. Um... Yes. So George and Michael pull up next to her and George starts pulling flirty faces. George then decides to show her his bare ass. <laughs> uh, his hairy crack is definitely Yeah, out. but we, we almost see his um, hole. His bum hole. His yeah. bum hole. Uh, um, she ain't best pleased. No. So she throws the remainders of his burger at his ass. <laughs> And tomato splatters all over his butt cheeks. Did you not hear him fart as well? Yeah, no, he didn't, did he? <laughs> yeah, he farted as oh, well. Oh, Lord. I wonder bloody Sheba Jackson was fuming. You know we love a fart scene here at Horror Court Trash Ever. Um, they drive off and she notices Tootman on the back of the van. So she tells Mark to meet her at the Tootman Cafe. George and Michael take Connie to the back of the diner and put her on the table whilst Michael reads the Sheetai ritual. Uh, Anwar's brain isn't talking, but that's because they find out he's missing. Oh, yeah. Where is he? Um, he is at the Dummy Cafe. The Dummy uh, Cafe. The dummy <laughs> yeah, well, restaurant. I have no idea what this guy's name <laughs> no. is. No. Just the guy with Dummy. Stan. Stan. Yeah. Oh, Stan it is yeah. Stan. They realise... He's biggest fan. Stan. They, they, they know it's Stan straight away. They know it's him who's stolen. Um, so Sheba charges in and holds George at gunpoint, whilst telling him to move his lard ass. Michael knocks her over the head with a glass and they tie her up and put her on a chain. Yeah, yeah, they don't kill her because, obviously... She'll be important to the plot. She'll be important to the plot. <laughs> uh, Stan is trying to perfect the secret recipe with the help of Anwar. Yes. Stan threatens to flush Anwar down the toilet <laughs> if he doesn't tell him the correct recipe. Uh, but then, luckily for Anwar, George Michael turns up. Yes, they, uh, Michael stabs Stan in the shoulder and George starts laughing at him. 
Michael threatens to hurt the dummy and Stan threatens to smash Anwar. So George chops Stan's hand off with a meat cleaver. Uh, Stan tries to drive away. Uh, George chops his other hand off. Yeah. He continues to try and drive away with no hands and crashes the car. He does. Mark cuts uh, Sheba down with a switchblade and undoes the top button of a blouse. To give us some air, obviously. Yeah, I was just trying to give you some air. <laughs> After, yeah, she gives him a kick for it, though, <laughs> doesn't she? <laughs> Sheba asks him to get to the car to put out an APB on George and Michael, and she'll give him the prettiest apology she's ever gave a white boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the back of the van, George places Anwar's brain in Sheetar's body um, for an incantation, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, at the club, the, okay. in a bizarre, for the rest of the film, it's a bizarre yeah, series the, of events. The rest of the film is a very the bizarre rest series of, of events. So we're at the club now, and the singer on stage, who looks a little like um, that character from Lazy Town. Was he not giving you, uh, I called the witch doctor, he told me what to do, what were they called? Yeah, the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's giving me pure um, Lazy Town. What's the guy yeah, from Lazy uh, Town? Robbie Rotten from Lazy Robbie Town. Robbie Rotten. Yeah. But also, like, the, this is this is a random reference. I, I do apologise. But there was an old SNES game called Clay Fighters. And in Clay Fighters, there was an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> And he looks like here because he look he looks very plasticky, doesn't he? He does. He looks very plasticky, uh, but he he looks like a shit Elvis impersonator slash trying to be a punk. Yeah, it's, it's uh, back like in singers. It's a bit between Adam Ant and uh, Elvis Presley. It's hard to describe. We'll have to post a picture of it. It's, it's back in singers. Clearly, want to be in the B fifty twos, and it's back in band. Are all dressed as Hitler? They are. Yes. <laughs> yes, another Hitler reference. Um, the, the song they're playing, the lyrics include Everyone Get Some, Get Down Little Dude, and Stud Pony. Yes. So I'm not sure what this song's about, um, but he's waving some food around, pretending it's his cock. Yeah. Uh, singer. Uh, everyone's loving it. from his crotch. Yeah, everyone's loving it, they're having a great time. Um, and George Michael's food's being thrown at them from the DJ booth. Um... George Michael show up and people can't stop eating their food despite not feeling good. Michael reads from the Sheetar book whilst George carries Connie through the audience without anyone batting an eyelid. Yeah, no one gives a shit. <laughs> uh, members of the crowd now start turning green and eating from the body part stew that George and Michael have brought with them. Uh, Shiva and Mark see the Tutman van at the club and they call for backup and get ready to enter the club. Yeah. The singer, now dressed as a Roman, <laughs> um, and his Hitler backing band, starts singing about stud ponies. Starts singing about stud ponies. Stud pony, yeah. As more and more of the crowd start feasting on the stew. They've got people dressed up as a cow on stage now as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> you know that old pantomime cow <laughs> with the way it's two people in one costume. Yeah, so that's joined him on stage for some reason. Then the, the soundtrack changes to classical music. Uh, so it seems like one half of the club classical music's playing <laughs> and then the other half is um, Robbie Rotten and his Hitler backing band. 
so classical music plays as they prepare Connie for the sacrifice. Uh, but then Sheba forces her way into the club as the crowd start eating each other. Yeah. And the singer pretends to cut the cow in half. <laughs> We're making this shit up. No. Uh, and it all looks great. The practical it does. effects really look it great. Does, actually. George Michael keeps shouting at Sheetar to wake up uh, whilst Michael holds a knife above Connie and Sheetar opens her eyes. She comes to life. She finally wakes up. <laughs> Sheba shoots Michael just in time and shoots Sheetar after. Uh, George runs away whilst people are still eating each other. Sheetar starts vomiting and reveals her stomach vagina mouth. Yeah, yeah, with big... Very much a predecessor to Suspiria 2018. Yeah. Is there a big vagina stomach? Yeah, yeah, in Suspiria. Is there? You don't remember. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, she she has a vagina with teeth on her stomach. She does. Um, This caused everyone to clap. Course. I mean, yeah. it's impressive. I, I'd, I'd be clapping impre- I, I mean, there. I'd be impressed. Um, Mark saves Sheba from a random audience member trying to eat her. Uh, a guy at the bar complains that the music's too loud. <laughs> it feels like his ears are about to explode. Sheetar makes his ears explode. <laughs> she shoots a uh, Emperor Palpatine-style <laughs> lightning bolt at his ear, and it explodes. Uh, someone pulls someone's head off their body. Someone tries eating the singer of the band. Yeah. <laughs> Sheetar makes the back of his head explode. Yeah. That big wig. I, I was going to say, it's. I, I think the big hair was for this moment. They can yeah. really make it look good. Um, the, the, the DJ booth explodes whilst Mark and Sheba start shooting the cannibals in the audience. The Hitler backing band gets killed. Yeah. Uh, Michael tries feeding Connie's head to Sheetar's uh, vagina teeth. Yes. But Mark shoots him in the eye and saves Connie. George drags him across the dance floor with a chain and tries feeding his head to Sheetar. But who comes and saves the day? Sheba, of course. She says, hey, gruesome, look up. <laughs> and feeds his head into Sheetar's vagina teeth. Yeah, Sheba saves Mark with a kick that sends George <laughs> headfirst into Sheetar's tooth stomach vagina. And he is decapitated. Yeah. Uh, then Sheetar explodes. I'm assuming it's because Mark's not a virgin. Yeah. Uh, George, oh, George isn't a virgin. Is he not? I don't know, because maybe he is. Because, spoiler alert, Sheetar doesn't actually die. No. From the explosion. No. Um, they go outside and, and someone asks Mark how he's doing. He says he's not bad for a white boy. Uh, <laughs> Whatever that, no sense, whatever that means in this situation. <laughs> the chief congratulates them on doing a good job and reckons the streets be free from fiends and freakos for a while now. And uh, he goes in, investigates, shoots on the bodies and try and get up. But the streets are not free from fiends and freakos because Sheetar walks away unnoticed in a red dress and red heels. We see a killer pair of legs. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, in fishnets. Yes. Walking away from the scene. Um, and it is, it's Sheetar. Yeah. She's in a figure-hugging red dress and red heels as she gets uh, accosted by a douche in a convertible. Yeah, he's, he's hot, bothered and horny. He's hot, bothered and <laughs> horny. And he says, hey baby, right before I stick my big sausage in ya, what did it call ya? 
and she looks at him with a massive demon teeth. So they call me Sheetar, and they uh, drive away whilst do what music plays. Yeah, I'm surprised he drove away with her after seeing her teeth. Um, I'm surprised she walked out the club past the police and everyone apparently with those massive teeth and no one noticed. He's so douchey that he's just got no standards. I mean, I mean his sausage isn't going to have a great time with those no. fucking teeth. No. Um, but yeah, that is Blood Diner. It is. It is. I, I love it. I think it's a great film. Just. It really just ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, but it works. Yeah. It works. If you're looking for a serious horror film, this is not for you. But if, if you enjoy fun and entertainment and camp value, then this is yeah. absolutely one to watch. If it's a Saturday night and you're struggling for something to watch, absolutely put this on. Yeah. It's, it's great. And from a female director, it's even more wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is really great, and I really hope, uh, I really hope Jackie Kong does more films eventually. Yeah, I think she does a lot of TV now, doesn't she? I think she's still she's still going. Um, she said in her interview uh, on the featurette, uh, who released the Blu-ray by the way? Uh, Vestron, Vestron Video. Vestron, I would really recommend buying the the, yeah. the Blu-ray actually. Uh, but she said in her interview that there's a lot more opportunities for women directors on TV. Yeah. Uh, but she would like to see more opportunities for feature films. But then, t- you know, we're in a golden age of TV at the moment. So, you know, maybe maybe, maybe that's because they're giving women opportunities. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, fully recommend Blood Diner. So, if you've seen Blood Diner, if you're a fan of Blood Diner, let us know on Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. Uh, if you listen on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, like, follow on everything else. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, at Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter. And we'll be back next week with Double Episode Week, and not just any Double Episode Week. Uh, we are bringing you our 100th episode. Are we? Yes, we are. Bloody hell. This is episode 99. Wow. And, you know, it's a special occasion. We had to pick something special for it. Tied it in with Women in Horror Month. We will be doing an Alvira special. Yes. We are discussing the Queen herself, as well as her two films, Mistress of the Dark and Alvira's Haunted Hills. Really excited for that one. Yes. So, it's going to be a good one. Couldn't think of a better way to do it. Absolutely. And then on Friday, we'll be back with Original versus Remake, where we will be discussing both versions of Carnival of Souls. Are you just as excited for that? <laughs> no comment on that one. I mean, you know, the original is a masterpiece, but the uh, the remake does not look great. Yeah, it's uh, Wes Craven Presents, um, which is always a bit iffy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So, you've got until next Friday to watch both versions of Carnival of Souls. Yeah. (laughs) We will see you same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.